This is Chip in Durham. Erica Edmonton. And Shannon in Durham. And welcome to the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, Episode 109, Objects in Motion. Feels. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Every single one. Feels, feels, and then feels. Some. The series is not over yet, and yet this was the moment where I felt like, oh my god, this is ending. I didn't even feel it completely like that once Londo shuffled off to become Emperor, and yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is an episode full of goodbyes. Exactly. I was, I was sobbing at the end. I was just full on weeping. I <laughs> uh, yeah, I was surprised that yeah, um Garibaldi and saying goodbye to Sheridan got me and got me going and yes, there were there were tears. Mhm. I think I think for me it wasn't I mean Garibaldi like the the speech was great, but mm-hmm. it was every like the the reverse shot seeing the reactions of the other characters that that just Yeah, just the way they end. played off each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that entire scene was was what got me. Yeah. And you know, we have to assume that you know, these are professional actors. They mm-hmm. are tearing up. They're finding whatever it is within them. And there you go. But I can't help feeling like there is the actors underneath, the actors' own reactions. Because this show was on the verge of cancellation every freaking year. And mm. this is a planned out goodbye this is they mm-hmm. know that the show is wrapping up now there was a little bit of denial going on there i seem to recall that box leitner asked for another season jerry <laughs> jerry doyle i think actually tried to campaign to get the show extended to a wow. certain extent uh mm-hmm. but it's a five-year season and they're 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 closing they're closing the books here and i have to believe that the actor's personal feelings are informing the performances I wouldn't be surprised. It's possible. I mean, it just it it really depends on the actor. Sometimes after after a thing is over, they're just like, "Yeah, that was it was a job. That is that is just what I was what I was paid to be doing." Yeah. Uh, and then there are people who are like, "No, that was my last day on set, and it was so emotional." And you know, I, I think it just varies. Yeah. Well, let's uh, recap the entirety of seasons one, two, three, four, and most <laughs> of five here. Uh, to set up this episode, if you happen to be just dipping in to the audio guide to Babylon 5, just to sort You've of... Rem- started on the wrong end. Yes, you have. But let's just sort of start and let's, let's just give the sweep of the of, of the previous episodes, the previous 108. Michael Garibaldi was B5's original security chief. Six years later, an alcoholic episode has in part motivated him to resign as the head of covert intelligence for an interstellar alliance, and he plans to marry his longtime lover who happens to own one of the biggest megacorps on Mars. Six years ago, Lita Alexander was one of B-5's first commercial telepaths. She was genetically altered by the Vorlons to become one of their superweapons, fell in love with a martyred telepath rights movement leader, and started funding terrorist actions against Earth's Psycor before she was caught. Six years ago, Narn Ambassador Jakar was on the way up, hustling and scheming to make Narn great again after having been enslaved by the Centauri. The Shadows manipulated the Centauri into devastating Narn, Jakar was imprisoned and tortured, and he grew into a spiritual leader and a key figure in forging the peaceful alliance. And now, 
they all have to leave Babylon 5. So in this episode, former Mars Resistance leader Tessa Halloran, a.k.a. Number 1, comes to B5 to warn Garibaldi and Lisa Eggers that an assassin is out to get them before they learn too much about what Eggers Industries was up to. Security Chief Zach Allen plans to hide them until a very public going-away ceremony for Jakar, at which his team will be watching to spring a trap. Jakar makes his offer to Lita for her to go out and see the universe with him. She's cynical, but accepts. Meanwhile... An unassuming older man kills a security guard and steals his link, using it to hack and monitor the security channels. Jakar confronts and spurns one of his most entitled fans among the Narn, which means that both the assassin and the Narn show up to the ceremony packing heat. Zack gets the drop on the assassin, but the Narn's shot goes wide and strikes Lise. That prompts Garibaldi to propose marriage the moment she recovers, but also to convince Lita to scan the assassin's mind. The whole Edgar's board was in on the plot. Garibaldi uses that information and his connections with the new head of Alliance Covert Intelligence, the aforementioned Tessa Halloran, to blackmail and force out the board. In the end, it's time for some very sad departures for Michael, Lise, Jakar, and Lita. And, recognizing that their own time to leave is near, Delenn convinces President Sheridan to walk the five-mile length of Babylon 5 for the first and last time. And that was Objects in Motion. Uh, you may grab a tissue if you like, a fainting couch if you like. <laughs> um, I've got to say, right out the bat, the short description of this episode had me actually expecting the worst, not remembering all of the ins and outs of this one, but a mysterious assassin coming onto the station to take out somebody that is so mm -hmm. first season and yet mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all different it's all different because it's about the characters and this is just mm -hmm. a plot point to sort of move things along yeah that was yeah. actually one of the things that steven said uh once the episode was over that he he thought that the whole episode was going to be building up to the assassination plot, and that was going to be the big, big climax. But he really liked how the assassination itself was kind of a, a MacGuffin just to get mm -hmm. things where they needed to go to help yeah. move the characters around the way they needed to. Right. Yeah. Shots get fired like two thirds of the way through instead of, you know, near the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is, you know, one of those times when JMS's title is perfect because we've got people coming that we don't realize are staying. We've got people going. We've got people moving to places where they're going to be. Yeah, it, it's like a you know a snow globe, and everything is at the moment spinning and moving around. Uh, and we're going to have to see what happens when everything settles. Yeah, and at the end of it, uh, just to leap to the very end of the episode, the station feels so empty because mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for the most part, Sheridan and Delenn are all of our main cast that are left. And they're taking yeah. their last their last walk around. Their I last mean, walk around. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that really tipped me over the edge from just, you know, being just sort of quietly weeping to just full on, full on crying was when Delenn just points out, now is all we have. I was just yeah. like, oh my God, that's so Delenn, but it's so true. It's, yeah. it's just perfect. Yeah. So let's rewind all the way back to the beginning of the episode and have a little moment of serendipity here. Number one is back. 
Number one is mm-hmm. back on the station, showing up, and you know that's a that's a surprise. That is a lovely surprise. Who would have, uh, except for those of us who've seen the show before, of course, who would have expected uh, that character from the Mars Resistance to show up on the station, and not only to show up, but to, at the end of the episode to have a new job. Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen it before, and I didn't expect it because I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I had not forgotten, um, but it was a very cool thing to see because not only is the presence of this character herself, who, based on what we remember from season four, is going to be a damn good fit for this new job, uh, but the things that she brings with her. JMS is all about, you know, not just or even more than the climax of your great big battles or your great big wars or your great big conflicts, but what happens next. And we get a bunch of information through her that's not terribly info dumpy, but because, you know, she's talking about these things as she delivers news that, you know, Sheridan and the others, and Franklin, the others wouldn't know, to realize that Earth is still being a jerk about Mars. <laughs> they can't do it by shooting at them, so they're going to try and starve them out and drown them in paperwork. So and that's why she's here, to see if the Interstellar Alliance will support them, which, of course, they do. So that is a very economical way to tell us that, you know, things are still happening on Earth that yeah. the Interstellar Alliance is not messing with because they don't get involved in internal politics. Yeah, and, and it's and, helpful. And, and what Earth's doing? I mean, Earth's going to Earth. I mean, that's old habits. <laughs> old habits are going to die hard. But what Earth is doing is something that they probably would have done way back in the Santiago administration. You know, it's self-interest. It's petty. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily um, we're going back to the bad old Clark days or anything like that. But I will say that number one, being in an entirely new role is very well reflected in Marjorie Monaghan's performance. I -hmm. remember her as being very shouty in season four, and that's just not appropriate right now. And uh, (laughs) and Monaghan dials her performance back and recalibrates it. When she and Sheridan are in Sheridan's office, you know, it's like this perfect meeting of the minds. They were both Mm -hmm. fighters, and now they're both politicians. And how the heck did we get here? Right. Um, and it's I a, loved that. And and it's a great moment for Boxleitner, and it's a great moment for Sheridan, who I feel has finally grown into the role at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when she's talking about, speaking of being petty, she's talking about how on Mars, now that they've won, and they're not necessarily banded together anymore to fight the mm-hmm. great big bad, which is Earth, and she's talking about how all the sort of petty grievances of all the different factions are now coming out. It She might as well have been talking about the Alliance as a whole. Mars yeah. is basically just a microcosm of the exact same thing that Sheridan has had to deal with. Everybody was great being together when they were still you know banded against the Shadows and the Vorlons. And once that war was over, yes, they managed to forge the Alliance, but boy, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't been a smooth road, and it sounds like Mars is just the same. Yeah, JMS loves delving into what happens next. He and, does, and it's done, and he's done very well here, at least uh, with the Mars subplot, and as well as the Interstellar Alliance plot so far this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I love how Sheridan sort of holds back on his plan to offer her the job until the reveal at the end. That conversation that he has with her, he says, "Stay around a few days. I've got some ideas, but I just want to, you know, I want to think about them a little bit." Um, you know, that, that's. That's as good a sign as any that he's grown into the job, that he doesn't yeah. just offer it to her. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. 
it's great to see the character back and mm-hmm. she gets a brief scene with Franklin at the end. Yeah, she does. I love the that. chemistry. Oh, so good. Yeah. Check, and, please. And, Check. Yeah, and, Check, and please. it was the cutest way to tie up a loose end that most people had probably forgotten about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, that that scene was not necessary, but it was just so good. It really was. Yeah. They're going to be heading in different directions very, very soon. And yet it feels like a gift to Franklin and to Halloran. For Franklin, it's the end of the story. For Halloran, it's mm-hmm. kind of the beginning of a new chapter. Uh, so mm-hmm. it doesn't entirely hold together for both of them. For Franklin, it feels like a happy ending, so to yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. It does. It, Stephen was really, my Stephen was really happy to see her back too. Like at the beginning of the episode, he was just immediately like, oh, it's her, number one. And then when she says her name, he's just like, what? She doesn't have a name. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, she does. And by the yes. end, it's like, she doesn't just have a name. She has a new job. It's great. Yeah, because I really, I, like these listeners who have been listening since then will recall that I really, really loved her in season four. And I didn't remember her as being shouty, except for, you know, a couple moments when she needed to be. I always thought she, 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 she was pretty, uh, pretty straight-laced and restrained and i thought that that was that that's perfect for this role that she has that she has taken Mm -hmm. on so yeah i was glad that sheridan had the idea and then you know we assume off screen he he takes the time to really double check you know vet her a little bit make sure that that's a good idea and and yeah i think she's she's a perfect choice Mm -hmm. and yeah i i think i agree a little more with erica chip that you know it's not that her demeanor is different. Uh, the actress is playing, I think, the same character in two very different situations. I think she's, you know, yes, she dials it back because this is, you know, what the character would do in this new situation. She's supposed to be a politician now. She's supposed to be more diplomatic about things. Um, and yet it doesn't feel like her straightforwardness has changed at all. Uh, so the reason she's come to Babylon 5 is to warn Garibaldi and Edgars about an attempted assassination. Plans are afoot. We don't know who's responsible. We find out who's totally responsible by the end. And <laughs> we have, at the very end of this series, we finally have perfect casting for an assassin thug. Do we? I think so. I think <laughs> I so. I disagree. Oh, my goodness. At the end of the series, we now have our biggest argument between me and Erica. I love it. He was great <laughs> until he had to talk in the cell with uh, with Lita. Then he was terrible. Every moment up until then, he was great. Um. Okay, I, I'll give you that. But I really liked the that opening scene in the lift when he mm-hmm. was just, you know, he was a nebish. My, this is the actor who's going to be the bad guy since actually failed to go off i thought it was going to be the security guard was a mole or something like that and then he just ends him (laughs) i i mean my spidey sense definitely went off and i was like oh okay this is definitely our uh our assassin but i and i thought he was fine until he had to actually like open up his mouth and act a little more and then it just ruined everything the (laughs) you can't do this to me i have my rights with his fists balled up like pounding the table it was that was a poor <laughs> moment. But it but it, yeah. it it actually felt a little bit like coming home because you know, we had all of those <laughs> all of those bad heavies all the way along back in seasons one and two. So it was just like, you know what? A little bit of symmetry is is fine here at the end. I'm okay with that. 
Why have I got the feeling that Erica and I are looking at that vase or two faces picture and I'm seeing the one thing? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I did not I did not think he was horrible. Um I you know, did not think he was fabulous. The actor, I mean, you know, the character, the way the character was written to, you know, it's like slip, slip into the elevator and babble at the security guard until it's time to uh, stab him. Uh, and then, you know, just the, the menace as he's carefully working on the link that he's stolen to get into the security channels. Uh, I was not too bothered by the telepath thing because I'm used to, you know, whoever's acting against Patricia Tallman as she rips their minds apart you know, almost always comes off second best. So that did not bother me quite so much. Fair point. And this puts Garibaldi in an uncomfortable and unfamiliar position that he basically accepts. He's not the guy anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's the product. He's the box that the security guards have to protect. Yeah. I love Uh, his, his, his face when he's like, Zach figured that all out, huh? (laughs) Like... Really? Like, yeah, dude, he's been doing your job for a while now. He's actually pretty good at it. And he's apparently pretty darn good at it now. We see several instances of of Zach being extremely good at his job. Mm -hmm. By the end of this episode, Garibaldi strikes me as a tough old retiree. And Mm -hmm. that actually makes me feel really, really good about Jerry Doyle's performance, about the arc of the character, He's not the tough guy anymore. He becomes tough again after Lisa is, mm-hmm. wound, Lisa is wounded and he brings the guy to Lita. But he's already mentally checked out of his old job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he kind of was to start with simply from the alcohol. And, you know, going through detox is not a pretty process as we got to see. So so I yeah. think he's he, he's been off that train for a while in terms of, of really being with it. And uh, it's nice that that he has actually not one, but two people now who are sort of following after him and picking up the uh, picking up the reins of that. Because you've got Zach, who is doing a great job of, of being security chief. And, and now you've got uh, number one as the new number one of intelligence. He's mm-hmm. willing to walk away. And he tells Sheridan at the end that he can see himself starting a family. Now that mm-hmm. now that he can yeah, wow. start a family, he uh, doesn't have to rely on his surrogate family anymore. And it is so powerful for him to have that moment with Delenn and especially Sheridan after everything that they've been through, after all of the mistrust and the manipulation, for Garibaldi to have that heartfelt moment with Sheridan. And the mm-hmm. way that that last parting is performed with the handshake and then the manly hug and then the I'm a little uncomfortable, let's separate now kind of thing. Uh, it's <laughs> it feels authentic to me. Yep. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't hit us over the head again with the fact that Garibaldi, you know, has has been here from the beginning, you know, longer than anybody else, because right. I, I don't think we needed to be reminded of that. I think anybody who's been watching the show really carefully all along remembers that. So so seeing yeah. him go and seeing, you know, also Jakar and Lita go in the same episode, like they were all there in the gathering yes. way back when. So, you know, it's a Delenn's the only one that's that's still left from, yeah. from way back in that time. And right. She looks really different. Yeah, she does. Uh, Sheridan was Sheridan came in late. Even so, that last scene has your three biggest stars of the show together Mm -hmm. on screen for what could well be the last time. Sheridan, Delenn, Garibaldi. That is 
Babylon 5, especially since Claudia Christian left. Um, mm-hmm. And feels. Yeah. So many feels. So speaking of Jakar, and Jakar and Lita, um, this is a teleplay by JMS, but the story is actually by Harlan Ellison and JMS. And I couldn't quite figure out from watching this, you know, None of these feel like a particularly Harlan kind of story. I I figure that they just must have had a conversation, you know, what do we need to happen? And Harlan helped him figure out the beats of the story, and Harlan gets a story credit. Maybe the beats that Harlan worked on were the Narn beats, the Jakara beats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I mean, they they feel JMS to me, but yeah, quite possibly. Because as the um, entitled fan Narn, as you put it, uh, is getting... I swear to God, he's a modern Star Wars fan ranting about killing Marie Tran. <laughs> oh, come on. Insert fandom here. It could mm-hmm. have been so many fandoms. It is a correct and right logical thing to happen that some of his devotees are going to go too far and think that Jakar has to lead them or has to teach them instead of just wanting him to. Yeah, yeah. It, it it does make sense. Like we've we haven't seen a whole lot from them, but I and again I didn't remember this episode very well. But in the the first scene where we see him, he's just that guy is is part of the crowd and he's shouting mm-hmm. shouting Jakar's name, Citizen Jakar, Citizen Jakar, and like his his voice is is it carries more mm-hmm. through. So I was like, okay, we're probably going to see something else from that guy, and and of course, of course, we do. And mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting too because I feel like we have seen a little bit of of an evolution of Jakar just as the this sort of religious leader figure even in the time since he that has happened because at the beginning he was much more patient with Mm -hmm. the people who had come to be his followers and now that he has been dealing with it day in and day out for i don't Mm -hmm. even know how many weeks it's been um he's kind of had it and he's just like no go home i i'm not responsible for your choices you know i feel like jakar a month back or two would have maybe given another beautiful little speech and you know explained how jakar is not responsible for the the choices of this other person but no he's just snippy and then breaks the guy's statue and walks away and says go home and i think part of that is due to the fact that at least from Jakar's point of view, I don't think he's seeing any improvements nope. happening because of what he's been doing. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, he's been talking to them. Yes, he's been explaining, attempting to teach. We saw in a previous episode that, you know, he tries to explain, uh, you know, Franklin's watching the whole time. And, you know, the Narn who asked the question just asks the question again because he did not get the answer he was expecting or wanting to hear. And the followers are growing instead of like staying static or even shrinking. So, yeah, Jakar is not seeing that anything he's currently doing is helping. So I can definitely understand him losing his patience totally. and, you know, starting to snap, especially given that he's already made this decision to leave. Um, mm-hmm. And then having people calling, you know, trying protesting it or insisting that he can't do that. Uh, yes, I can. <laughs> I feel like Jakar a few months ago was JMS at the beginning of his interactions with fans (laughs) on CompuServe and Usenet. And (laughs) Jakar at this point has dealt with one too many entitled trolls. Time to block. Yeah. And And, 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 I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. I I think I really do think that that informed this uh, storyline here. Uh, JMS was at the forefront of interactions with fans online um which was a great thing and a costly thing 
and it created a lot of strife as well as uh, opportunities for you know it's it it's the prototype for everything that's ever happened in the last uh, five or ten years on Twitter with uh, creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I mean, I'm I'm a podcaster. I don't have to deal with it to anywhere near the level that somebody like JMS does. But but even so, I I have have had I don't even want to say run-ins, but just you know interactions with people who think that that uh, any one of the various podcasts that I am on should do things this way because mm-hmm. that person likes it Says better so. that way. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. And it's it is frustrating so i cannot even imagine how obnoxious and frustrating it must be to deal with it more more strongly and more often so go to car i say yeah yeah i mean yeah. once you once you get to the you know writers are not gods but uh once you get to the point where you're a spiritual leader and <laughs> people are making those kinds of demands for of you and not listening you know nice moment for jakara to break the statue and yep. entitled mm-hmm. fan was not having any of that. No, no, indeed. And so he prepares to leave because it's just getting worse, and there's no point in prolonging his departure. And he takes Lita Alexander with him. And Lita doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, but what she does do. In a straight jacket, apparently. At first, I thought she was just standing, no, feeling kind of oh, no. defensive. No, that's a straight jacket. Yeah. Yep, she's been in that for a few episodes now. That must be yeah. really uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually never noticed that in the previous in in in, in the previous episode. <laughs> yeah. How did that yep. happen? Wrapped up tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although I'm which curious is a... as to how well she could have gotten herself out of that, given what she did with the handcuffs. Exactly. Oh, I'm sure. um, <laughs> Side note, actually, I started kind of liking it. Um, <laughs> right. Hello. Yeah. Hello. So Jakar's not the only perv on this uh, flight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going to get along just fine. Hmm. Have a feeling. Are you shipping it? <laughs> I, I am now. I, I really am. <laughs> I mean, just for fun. Like, not like yeah. no deep feels here. This is just a this is this is just a good time. <laughs> What she does do in her allotted screen time, though, is basically cement where she was at the end of the previous episode. Uh, She's tough. She's callous. You know, she's a little bit sad about where she's been left and how alone she is now. But uh, she's she's done messing around. And she actually communicates a threat to Garibaldi before Mm -hmm. they part that if... uh, he doesn't follow through on her stuff. Not only will she not help him deal with Bester, but she's going to mess him up. So Garibaldi she... might be rethinking the merits of the deal that he made. <laughs> or he'll just do a very good job to keep up his end of the bargain, especially if he mm-hmm. wants to have a family. Uh, you know, yeah. we'll have to think about them, too. I I think you're right that Lita is she's tough and she's callous, but she's not quite as callous as she wants everybody to think, because I have to mm-hmm. say that I think one of the saddest moments in the entirety of Babylon 5, um, even though the the weepy scene that I got weepy over was was Garibaldi taking his leave. The scene that I think hit me the most in the feels was when Lita is is walking um, with Jakar and she's like she's looking around right be- just subtly yeah. trying to see like did nobody come to say goodbye to me nobody at all and then she's like well I guess not just oh that breaks yeah. my heart and of course Zach does you know kind of sneak in later and, and watch her leave but she never she never shows that she's aware of him if, if she is in any way right. so 
Yeah, that was and that was like I, I also found myself being right there with her. Really? Nobody's going to say goodbye after everything she did. Like, yeah, I realize that she has taken a turn and uh, and done some some crappy things as of late. But mm-hmm. you know what? Garibaldi did, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, but she's so that's... dangerous. She could close she could close somebody's artery just like that. You oh, know, no. it's it's yeah, I, but... I, I do not. I'm not surprised that nobody saw her off. Yeah. And I think I kind of think JMS was clever there to balance what could have been, you know, we've already had, you know, Londo exit. Uh, we've had, you know, other characters that we know are leaving. And we get that wonderful, powerful, intimate scene between uh, Garibaldi and Sheridan and Delenn. So if people had come to say goodbye to Lita in a very kind manner, I think it would have been too much. So I, I can see why JMS might have done that in order to balance a bit the tone of the story. Some partings are sorrowful. Some partings, you're just kind of like, okay, God, that's taken care of. Yeah. And I kind yeah. of also like uh, Jeff Conaway as Zach Allen is all business this episode. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a whole lot of emotional departure or farewells. We don't get a farewell scene between him and Garibaldi, which is I, an odd yeah. omission. Yeah. But, yeah. but he's all business and the job's going to get done and the job's going to continue to get done. And you walk away from this episode knowing that Babylon 5 is in good hands. Go back to season two, Alan flirting with Nightwatch and not really knowing his place and, uh, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He, the character has grown into the chief of security for Babylon 5. And when he is hanging back watching Lita leave... He's not being sappy. He's right. not betraying a whole mm-hmm. lot of emotion. He's just sort of taking it in and saying, yep, okay, I, I wanted to see her go. That's done. Back to work. Mm-hmm. I think that does, that does the character some credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anybody else we got to say goodbye to in this episode? That's a lot of goodbyes. A lot it of goodbyes is. for some of the most veteran characters on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my f- my actual favorite, though, of just the, the interactions themselves and the, the acting was probably Sheridan and Jakar, when Sheridan comes yes. to Jakar's mm-hmm. corners. Oh, yeah. um, because, you know, as much as I love the Garibaldi scene and as much as it made me cry, I feel like those characters spent a lot of time together on screen. We didn't see Jakar and Sheridan all that often. As, as Sheridan said, yes, they had their interactions. They yelled at each other, you know. But mm-hmm. we, we had very few quiet moments between those characters. So it was just really a treat to see them have this this moment of stillness you know you know the the door opens and everybody's jakar jakar and then the door closes and you have that little just the sanctuary that is jakar's quarters and mm-hmm. just you know that that the beautiful speech back and forth and you know the, the part of me that is going will very much miss the part of you that is staying it's just, I, that was that mm-hmm. was uh, Jakar to a T and Box Lightner's just really, really upped his game performance wise. And they they did a fantastic job. Yeah. And then Jakar bids him farewell as John. And then Sheridan speaks the line that every longtime fan of Babylon 5 has just sort of been sitting bolt upright and going, wait, you've never called me John before, which is true. (laughs) Yeah. Which is true. And that is a beautiful moment. 
I wonder if that's an Ellison, a Harlan Ellison thing, because I I know that the uh, his original version of the script for City on the Edge of Forever for Star Trek was supposed to be the first time that Spock called Captain Kirk Jim and it was taken out. So Hmm. I wonder if if he decided, like, I'm getting mine and I'm putting that in somewhere. Could be plausible. But it was, and, and it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. I loved that. Oh, and yeah. then the fact that it degenerated into basically, a, you know, no, it's gotcha. not. Yes, it is. No, it is. You yes. know, it was like a Monty Python yes. sketch at the end, yes. which perfectly diffused the sadness and the tension. And you just see the realization on Sheridan's face like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is this is a good parting. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to recap, standard plot is a MacGuffin setting up. Points of departure, to borrow another uh, episode title from a long <laughs> time ago, and to make everybody cry. Mm-hmm. Check, check, and check, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a laugh or two and a couple of punches in the air, yeah. to, just to balance things. Mm-hmm. I, I laughed aloud with uh, Lise uh, when you know she wakes up and Garibaldi's like trying to explain he's got a minister ready and all that. And, you know, no, I want us to get married because I'm not going to lose any more time. And then, you know, she just flat out says, tell him to get his ass in here. It's like um, and you and I both just sort of blinked at that, if I remember correctly, Chip. <laughs> so just it was like, a <laughs> very it was a very non-Denise Gentile moment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so like, good. Oh, very good. But also, you know, th- trying to think back to, you know, 90s TV and what you heard on a regular basis versus what versus what you didn't. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The last point that I want to make about this before we go into spoiler space and spoiler alert, it's probably going to be a really short spoiler space, <laughs> is the pacing of the end of this series is something that I don't see a lot of in current prestige television b5 was the model so many prestige series today with a strong story arc with a strong serialized not episodic structure they took so many lessons from babylon 5 one of the things that they're not doing a lot of now and i think it's because i'm not sure exactly why that is but we're getting several episodes of Farewell. It's being paced very carefully. Whereas, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about Breaking Bad, for example. Intense five-year series didn't exactly have the five-year arc, although they knew the shape of what was going to happen to the characters and all that other stuff. But it just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating towards the end of the series until... Just faster, 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 bigger, 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 boom, done. It's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and the denouement is about five to ten minutes, as I recall, of that last episode. We've got like three episodes of denouement here. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I appreciate it because I committed to these five years and I know just how much Babylon 5 I'm getting. And I know that the story is being wrapped up. We could have saved a lot of these departures for, like, the last episode of MASH, a two-and-a-half-hour time slot where the war ended and everybody says goodbye to everybody after lots of stuff happens in the last 30 minutes of the uh, TV movie. We're getting something different here, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it is nice to be able to enjoy all of these characters one last time as we see where they're going next 
it's a mm-hmm. it's a process yeah. of separation. It's it's yeah. almost going through the stages of grief, and it does feel a little bit like grief, even though I've seen the episode before, even though I will watch the series again. But because we've been so methodical on this podcast of watching this every two weeks, the story is about to end. It can only be retold. It is not going to continue. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch Breaking Bad, so I don't know how many episodes per season uh, that was. That wasn't like 20, 22 episodes per season, not, was no, it? Not, no, it wasn't. Yeah. So I think – and there are there are other sort of modern serialized television shows that, that had a similar thing where it just, you know, kind of escalates and then it just – it ends very dramatically. And I think that – that this pace as opposed to that pace is really sort of in keeping with the overall shape of Babylon 5 as a story because it yes it's it's 5 years and it's 5 years of of you know 22 episodes per season so we've we've talked a lot about how there's time for more growth and more side characters and more one-off stories and more lightness and comedy and like there's a lot that a lot more that you can do that you that you don't see mm-hmm. as often these days because you have sort of it's got to be shorter it's got to be tighter and and it's i think it's got to be the bingeable ending, yeah, yeah and the i think the 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 ending is is this is just a, a reflection of that sort of same difference it's just mm-hmm. the end of the story. Like if this was a novel, like we keep calling it a novel for television, you do, you know, and in, in many of the ones that I love a lot, you get like an epilogue or the last chapter is falling action and you kind mm-hmm. of, you put it all to bed very nicely and you tuck it in rather than just dropping a bomb and walking away in slow motion as it explodes behind you. Yeah, this is not like uh, one of Neil Stevenson's early novels like Snow Crash or The Diamond Age where he wasn't a fan of Dana Ma, you know, the... The story ends on the last page, boom, and that's it. There, you know, uh, this is not that. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a traditional novel. Yep, it was. It was just it, it ended, uh, and and Stephen just said that was all really very sweet. <laughs> like he just <laughs> he 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 really liked it. You know, he he appreciated, like I said, the sort of MacGuffin-y aspect of the assassination plot and all that. And then he got real quiet and just said. It's all really ending, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, he said yeah. he was very, he was very happy that Jakar is getting what is basically a happy ending because uh, he just mm-hmm. he didn't expect that. He, so many awful things have happened to Jakar over the years right. mm-hmm. that to see him get to go off on a road trip with a telepath. And then he and then he was like in the new series Crusade because he's just telling himself that that's what Crusade is all about. I'm like, <laughs> oh, honey. Uh, so and then he was like ticking off all of the people who have exited, you know, mm-hmm. Jakar and Lita and Garibaldi. And he's like, yeah, it's just it's just Delenn and Sheridan and Dr. Franklin. But we already know that he's heading out and we know that Delenn and Sheridan are. He was just like, he's like, I have no idea what's going to happen in the last two episodes. I have no idea where it's going to go. Is the whole station going to blow up? I'm just like, I'm <laughs> not I'm not saying anything. And I, and he does. He already knows that the, the final final episode was shot at the end right. of, of season, season four. four. So, right. so he's really, I think, most 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 curious about this this next episode like what what is that going to do yeah mm-hmm. yeah like well you just have to wait and see yeah but he doesn't have to wait long just nope. two weeks because uh, next time is objects at rest following objects in motion isn't that it isn't that lovely isn't that symmetry mm-hmm. yes yeah. if the symmetry were any more perfect i think one of us would weep <laughs> <laughs> Where's my reference acknowledged? Where's my reference Reference acknowledged? acknowledged. (laughs) Uh, That is next time. Objects at Rest. The final episode filmed. 
of Babylon 5. Wow. Yeah. So we do have a spoiler space moment uh, ahead of us. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please hit threads. Uh, talk to us about your feels, about the increasingly inevitable conclusion of Babylon 5. Uh, we are at, on the web at b5audioguide.com. And we are on Twitter and Tumblr at B5 Audio Guide. We are so grateful to you all for having shared this voyage with us to this point as we head towards the end. And then a little bit of housekeeping, uh, which I'm not sure if we've mentioned in pre-spoiler space, but it seems fair to say it right now. We are moving towards the conclusion of Babylon 5, and then this podcast is going to take a hiatus. We have been talking about it on social media, certainly. Uh, there is more material to talk about in the Babylon 5 universe, but we're going to respect the end of the series and give us all a nice little... You know, we're going to tool around the universe a little bit. <laughs> See what's out there. See what's out there. And but let's uh, let, let's warm up the engine a little bit. Uh, you know, you know, a shakedown cruise, shall we? Let's go through the jump gate for the next to last time and talk about spoilers for objects in motion. So we're back, and there's not much Babylon 5 left, so there's not much to discuss in spoiler space so much, except let's talk about where we will next see these characters that have departed. Um, Garibaldi, we're not going to see him again in Babylon 5. Un well, let's see here. We're going to see him next time when he uh, talks to his new board. Yes. <laughs> And, After taking care of the old one very carefully. <laughs> and then chronologically speaking, uh, we will see him again in the uh, Babylon 5 TV movie that is also the backdoor, the, the pilot for Crusade, a call to arms, where he's sort of getting back in the business, helping um, Sheridan um, with the new fleet. And then that's Sleeping in Light. Uh, and, that's, and that's about it for Mr. Garibaldi. There would have been a scene... Uh, in the unfilmed uh, Bester episode of Crusade, where uh, an extra, a hand actor, would have uh, <laughs> would have uh, sort of punched his fist against a table when uh, somebody would have said, uh, "Sorry, sorry, Mr. Garibaldi, uh, Bester got away again." Mm. Um, so, but that is that is the entirety of uh, filmed uh, filmed Garibaldi from here on out. So his departure from um, B five in this episode is, uh, you know, it, it it is a departure. Pretty final, yeah. Mm -hmm. But he's got this new status quo, and um, and what we see of Garib. Oh, oh, oh! I did leave out something. River of Souls. Mm -hmm. he, is, yeah. he he does finally he, he does get another uh, another crack at the movie action along with Tracy Scoggins and oh what is his name Joshua Cox <laughs> he, he finally gets a movie too um so that's Garibaldi's departure uh Jakar we are going to see the message that he left uh we're going to see that next time and then Jakar doesn't appear again until sci-fi's TV movie Legend of the Rangers. Mm -hmm. that, and that's ah. about and that's about it for Jakar. And this is literally it for Lita. She is done. We mm -hmm. we will we would have seen her in the same 
uh, unfilmed crusade episode in flashback, but her story ends walking away alone, kind of broken, kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I have all kinds of happy headcanon for what she <laughs> and Jakar get up to on their long range cruiser. Yeah. Because she's only got, yeah. unfortunately, she's only got two years left before the telepath war, which is something that um, I'm not, I don't recall. So let's revisit it real quick. Stephen adorably talked about how, uh, well, I guess that was the telepath war then um, <laughs> <Yeah>. after, um, <laughs> after Byron went away. No, not quite, dear. No, that's 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 cute that he. Well, I mean, I don't know that he necessarily actually even thought about it long enough to think is that the actual telepath war. He may have just sort of referred to it that way mm-hmm. uh, without thinking it through. But yeah, he doesn't know. He has no way of knowing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, I've got one last uh, thought about the what is to come that has not been described yet. But I want to give either of you a chance to weigh in first. Um, I got nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, there's there's not much left to talk about because yeah. we are so close to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the last thing I will say, and I apologize to our listeners for monologuing all the way through spoiler space, is that by virtue of the fact that we've been doling out our departures over the last couple of episodes with Londo, Lita, um, Jakar, Garibaldi, as we've been going through this, we're giving folks the space to get to the point where the next episode is going to have plenty of stuff happening to it. Uh, the confrontation with Londo, the uh, Lanier's fall. Um, mm-hmm. We've gotten a lot of goodbyes out of the way, and we've also made room for what I think is the most powerful scene in all of Babylon five and the one that is going to have me just sobbing into my pillow. And that is the replacements all lined up in the ops in the observation dome um, Mm -hmm. at the end that um, I'm welling up a little bit, just thinking of it right now because the story ends, but the song continues. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's that's the the one piece of the next episode that I do remember very clearly. Yeah, the, just to see them all lined up that you've got, you know, everybody, everybody has a new person in the role and it is a new set of faces, 100% right to left. And, um, and yeah, it, it is such, it is such a good moment for JMS to literally have Sheridan pass the baton to all of these new people. Broke my heart the first time I watched it. Um, I will every once in a while go back to that moment on YouTube um, just because it's it's that powerful. And, it, and, and it's kind of remarkable that it does that. It does that. It has so much power. When there's these no are, dialogue. There's no dialogue. After- and it's minor. It, it, it's a lineup of comparatively minor characters. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yet yeah. it's got so much power. I I will be very curious to see what the control group thinks of that scene. Me too. <laughs> very brief spoiler space because there's not much left to spoil. Mm-hmm. We've got one more episode uh, in, in the normal timeline. And then with apologies to Shannon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We thought that we were going to get away with uh, going straight to Sleeping in Light because in my head, 
the TV movie River of Souls aired after the Babylon 5 series. But no, nope. it, it actually aired uh, several weeks before the end of season five, thereby kind of spoiling the fact that Garibaldi lives through this thing. <laughs> JMS originally intended for it to air sometime around, um, like, within the week before the series finale sleeping in light aired and wiser either wiser heads at tnt prevailed because they wanted to be sure that they weren't spoiling the marketing for the movie and the series finale in the same week and i do think that the movie would have been overlooked but also because the movie's not that great Mm -hmm. yeah so so (laughs) it's going to feel a little bit of a letdown coming from objects at rest to the river of souls and then sleeping in light but that's actually kind of as intended. Sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. And apologies to <laughs> Shannon because it's her turn in the rotation. Yeah. <laughs> then again, who knows? I have I have reevaluated so much in coming back and, and watching this series for the podcast. Maybe I will find some some real gems in River of Souls that I didn't know were there waiting for me. Let's think positive, guys. Come on. Uh, all I'm saying is, Soul Hunter, not played by Morgan Shepard. Soul Hunter, played by Martin Sheen. Ugh, gag. <laughs> Ugh, and you now win. That, and you now, win. And now that I've got that song stuck in my head again, because I'm not much of a filker, but I'm damn proud of that filk, I think it's time for us to take our leave. So until next time, when it's time for Objects at Rest and the end of the five-year mission... Bar the epilogue. This is Chip in Durham, Erica in Edmonton, and Shannon in Durham. And you've been listening to the audio guide to Babylon 5.